I got this from the Food and Drug Administration, by the way. I don't know why that's the thing that came yeah, up well, first. Why do they care? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess because technically you can eat reindeer, I, I guess. I, I don't know. Or um, maybe, is reindeer a controlled substance? Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanti shows at the movies. Is this the prequel to Rhyme of the Frostmaiden? I don't even know what that means, Paul. <laughs> wow, Naya Katona. What? Uncultured. Did you just speak Latin to me? No, I no, went Russian. Russian on, I went Russian <laughs> on you, baby. What do you mean? What? Okay, Paul. Whatever. <laughs> I'm Sean. I'm obviously Paul. And I'm Trish. And on today's show, we'll discuss 1964's holiday classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This wondrous film was written by Romeo Muller, Robert May, and Johnny Marks, directed by Larry Romer, and starred Billy Mae Richards, Burl Ives, Larry D. Mann, and many more. This is, of course, the Rankin-Bass production, the claymation, stop-motion animation, beautiful, nearly perfect holiday-themed film. Before we go into further on this film, a friendly reminder, we want to hear from you. Yes, you. Share your comments with us about this and past episodes about Rhyme of the Frostmaiden at skippyaffinity.com slash listener suggestions. We want to put together a listener mailbag episode with your thoughts, questions, topic, topic, topic suggestions, reasons why Sean is awesome, reasons why Trish is awesome, and more. So get your thoughts into us. Yeah, and if you don't, uh, Paul will cry. Yeah, and you don't want to see me cry. And I will collect his tears from my evil magic spells. Oh my goodness. Um, they, 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 would make a, they would make a potent alchemical blend, for sure. <laughs> they would indeed. Well, uh, the task of summarizing this movie now comes to somebody who is a human being. Uh, I, I, I will I, fall I... on this antler. <laughs> wow, okay. All right, so, so Trish, what is this movie about? Go on. This movie is about the evils of uh, societal pre- pre- societal pressures for conformity and about Santa and elves and reindeer and how if you actually manage to get your head loose of uh, wanting everyone to be exactly alike and allow people's differences to shine, then everyone can be happy. Is that true? That, is that is that what's happening? That is well, the message of this film. <laughs> if you want a plot summary, I can do that too. <laughs> well, it does turn out that this movie is basically the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer song turned into a story with added quirkiness, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, so I should mention that this is one of one of like my five holiday movies that I watch. Every year. Uh, every year? Every year. This, this Home Alone, A Christmas Story. I, I'm, I'll be honest. I do watch The Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm not, not going to judge you. We've done it for you. Torture uh, Cinema, Tim, and I still Tim, love Tim, that Tim, movie. Tim, 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 Tim Allen makes an engaging Santa, and it, it brings some interesting ideas to the canon. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, shame your movie watching, Sean. 
Yeah. That's only four, though. With I know. I was trying to think about what the fifth one would be, and I'm I'm immediately drawing a blank, because it's not Die Hard, because I, well, I just... We don't have to hold to a rigid five spot. Yeah. You're right, I, right, right, right. If you right, just have little... four favorite holiday movies, that's great. Yeah, so well, this is, your... this is one of them. What are your favorite holiday movies, Trish? Gosh, I haven't really thought out the list. Uh, this is definitely one of them, though. I mean, I used to watch this faithfully every year um, uh, for many years. Uh, it's been quite a while since I've seen it with my whole attention, though. Usually it would be, you know, something I would have on while something else was happening. You know, mm-hmm. after after I was graduated from high school or college or something, you know, I I would not just sit down and watch it. I would be doing other stuff at the same time. So let's see. There's this. um, There's A Wonderful Life. I know there are some reasons. Some people who claim that Miracle is on 34th Street is a better film, and maybe, but um, (laughs) It's a Wonderful Life is the thing that I saw every year for a long time. A Christmas Story is... Doesn't say a lot about the virtues of the season, but uh, no. it's definitely a classic. Let's see, those pop up. Um, there are a lot of other specials that I want. Oh, Charlie Brown Christmas, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You gotta say that yeah, yeah. one. You gotta say that one. That's a good one. Yeah, those are probably the high marks. I'm probably missing something, but uh, those are... I did put you on the spot. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, we both did. It's, it's, it's all our fault. Paul, now it's on to you. The major movie that we have not mentioned to this point, you might not think of it as a holiday movie, but since culminates on New Year's Eve is Don't Laugh When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> He's gonna laugh. You've... No, no, no. I'm I'm refraining from reenacting the scene <laughs> at the moment. That's not even the scene I think of when I think of the holidays. I know what you're seeing. I think about this. I think about the scene where he runs to the party and te- and and tells Sally just how much he loves her and it warms my heart. Aww, oh. I don't really think of that as a holiday movie, but I guess it <laughs> no, is. It ends on New Year's time, Eve but... for crying, <laughs> and New Year's Eve comes up again and again throughout the movie. It is well, totally a holiday movie. Okay, as it's a New Year's Eve is. movie though, not a Christmas right, but, movie. But, as such, right, or, no, but I was thinking holiday. I guess we're not sticking to Christmas specifically. But, yeah, but, but my, my, my definitive Christmas movies are Charlie Brown Christmas and, as mentioned before, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Because every good New Yorker is warned by the idea of Santa Claus being proved right by the U.S. Postal Service of New York City that he is Santa Claus. <laughs> It's it's just it's 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 just science and facts. That's amazing. Well, let's talk about this movie, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, which spawned a whole bunch of other films with a similar style. One of which we have actually watched for Torture Cinema before, which is Christmas in July. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, uh, we. Yes, I, so I was terrible. on that. I was on that episode. Uh, that, was that was so good. very terrible. I do kind of like Rudolph's Shiny New Year. It's not as good as this one, but it has some good songs in it, and it has the Heat Meister and, and the Cold Meister. You know, so there are some fun things about that one, but the summer special was just awful, awful, <laughs> awful, awful. It is yeah. torture. Truly one of the worst torture cinemas that I have seen. It's pretty bad. This is definitely one of the classics. The The songs <laughs> in this... You know, the, the, the opening sequence after Burl Ives, the snowman, tells us, you know, the story we're going to, re- you know, listen to has like all of the main themes. And they're all the second they came on, I was like, 
oh, it's the song. I know that song. <laughs> like you know that song. Yeah. It it's very memorable, and I think that's part of why. Like yeah, there's all these all like dozens and dozens of holiday themed, mostly Christmas movies during the holidays, but it is so rare for a film to ob- obtain like repeatable status, let alone like legendary status. And you'd have to argue whatever your personal thoughts of this film are. This is like one of the legendary films of this, this genre. I mean, this film has been, if I recall, been running multiple times every holiday season in December, possibly even beyond that for the better part of what, like 50 plus years now. Has it ever been? Has there ever been a year hasn't been broadcast somewhere in the United States? During I don't Christmas? think so. Would, I would, doubt that, it. I doubt it. Make yeah. it almost sixty years. Yeah, I think for a couple of decades it would just air once per year, yeah. and if right. you missed it, that was it for that year. Uh, maybe three decades or so, but I think around the nineties or so, it's they started showing it several times during the season. And it was, I guess, part of. Uh, there were like the 25 days of Christmas series that uh, 25 ABC... years days of Rankin Bass. <laughs> right, right. Rankin Bass Christmas, because they would play a, a bunch of the films, presumably mm-hmm. skipping the ones that weren't very good. And there are some of those. <laughs> and in any case, yeah. So this this film, I mean, like, I think didn't in 2014, they had like U.S. postal stamps for this made. Did they? I'm I sure think so. they've had postal stamps. I don't know what year it was. How many films can you say have had a postage stamp? It's not many. Not many. Right. Well, it, of course, spawned a lot of sequels and things, some of which, have, as we I... said, were okay, and some of which were terrible. Was it the first big Rankin-Bass claymation thing? Stop action? or That's a good question. Yeah, I don't recall if it's, like, the original, like, the very first, but it's certainly, like, the it, one it... that put them on the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a TV special. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't a theater or anything. It was just an right. animated television special. That's right. On NBC in December sixth, nineteen sixty four. Yeah, good. Times. Of course, the story had quite a history before that for several decades. Uh, I think it was in nineteen thirty nine. It was put out as a little. The, just the poem was put out as a little booklet that was a promotion for some department store yeah. or something and then the and song then, we all know is 1949 which is johnny marks right right mm-hmm. yeah right and then they basically took that fairly simple plot in the song the ballad and uh expanded it out to a 50 minute uh tv show and mercifully short because i think if yeah, they drag this out anymore the right length yeah, uh, really, it's action packed. Um, you know, one of the awful things about that uh, Christmas in July thing was how it dragged. Um, but this one, you know, moves pretty snappily from beat to beat and uh, scene to scene, action to action. Uh, it's it is uh, it's action packed. I think part of the reason why it moves so well is it has, unlike perhaps some of the other ones, the one we're talking about, Christmas in July. Right. This one has a very clear, firm, central story. Right. Mm -hmm. Rudolph is the heart of it. Right. Everything is anchored to Rudolph. So Mm -hmm. Santa's whole ordeal with the fact that there's the big storm that comes and prevents. He can't go. Right. Because everybody's grounded because, of course, Santa's never had a superstorm before, I guess. The polar Mm -hmm. vortex came for Santa. That's tied to Rudolph because that's how Rudolph and Santa is like, oh, Rudolph, you're amazing. Herbie, who is wants to be a dentist. Hermie, Hermie, excuse me. I, 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 I had that wrong too. 
all so this time sorry. for the last 50 years I'm of my so life sorry. I thought it was Herbie. It is Hermie. So sorry. No, no, seriously, I, I, I felt wrong too when, when Trish told me, no, it's Hermie. Like, what? No, you're not right. No, I got you. Right. Okay, calm down, guys. Good lord. I, 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 got, I got excited. Um, my god! Okay. Anyway, the point I was making, Hermie... <laughs> Hermie... Uh, he sings a song about being a misfit, and then when he meets Rudolph, they sing, we're a couple of misfits, and they become friends. So his misfit status is tied to Rudolph's status. Right. Uh, the the thing that all the people that go missing are tied to Rudolph because it's his parents go looking for him. And also like his, Clarice or, uh, who, like is looking for her. Hello, Clarice. Yes. I mean, he, she's looking for love. Right. The only thing that's not perhaps as directly anchored to Rudolph is, I guess, Yukon Cornelius and the Bumble. Uh, and, and but they still are because they need Yukon to help them. And Yukon Cornelius, his whole thing with the Bumble is, like, he he works with Hermie to save Rudolph. So, like, everything is very tightly bound. Which I don't think you can say about, like, every holiday movie. Sometimes the plots, like, meander and wander off. This, it, it is, as you say, Trish, super action-packed. And every major plot point is anchored through the, the title character, Rudolph. This, this is, by the way, the second Rankin Bass production ever done. Earlier that year they did a production called Return to Oz. Yeah. That's which a is scary basically movie. a retelling of the wonderful Wizard of Oz. So, and terrifying. I, I've never seen that animated version, so I it's don't terrifying, know terrifying, Paul. It's terrifying. Okay. I've never seen it. But anyway, so yeah, so they they so on their second outing they hit a home run of Grand they, they really did. say for the ages. But yeah, I was struck as I was rewatching this how many things I gotten wrong. Like her me, not her be. I had forgotten Donner was Rudolph's father. Now mm-hmm. I want to kind of know. I want to. I want a reindeer family tree. How are the other? How who is Fireball's father? Is it one of the other? It's Blitzen, obviously. Why is it? Why is it obviously Blitzen? Because because the name makes sense. Blitzen right? to Fireball. Yeah. Oh yeah. Blitz. I, I, I speed, you know, speed. like the okay. Blitz. I mean, it's a World War yeah, II yeah, reference. Calm yeah, down. I, yeah, I get, I get it. I get it. Um, it's not real. So, yes, yeah, so I want to... Um, who is Clarice's dad? It's just a, she's just this male reindeer who's an a-hole to Rudolph. That is a great question. So the the the, the eight reindeer, right, are Dasher, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donder, or Dunder, depending on your pronunciation, Blixum in the original, but we say Blixen. And is that and then there's Rudolph. Is that everybody? Vixen is one of the others. I think we've gotten seven. Dasher, and, Dancer, and, Prancer. And Vixen, Vixen Comet and Cupid, Cupid Donner, Donner and Blitzen. Blitzen. Okay, right. Rudolph Rudolph is number nine. But I know I know we shouldn't jump to the end of this movie, but I noticed this and I asked Trish to confirm it. Did you notice at the end when Rudolph is doing his great ride? There's only seven reindeer pulling Santa's sleigh. Yeah, the Bumble ate the other one. I mean, it should be eight plus Rudolph. That's the song and the and the lead I remember. But there's only seven, so right. Which... So Donner, his dad, watches Rudolph take off uh, with yeah. the others. So Donner's not on it. And I wonder if Coach Comet, the jerk, uh, Is the other self ex- <laughs> excluded himself from the team. Maybe because he doesn't want to run with a nose-glowing reindeer. <laughs> or, or Santa benched him. Or maybe Santa benched him, yes. 
Maybe. Perhaps Santa benched him. Well, I mean, Santa starts off as a as a jerk who rejects mm-hmm. Rudolph's nose and right off the side. One thing I noticed about this movie that I had wrong about it was that uh, everyone in Christmas Town is actually happy to see Rudolph, and they are they feel bad about how Rudolph was treated, and they're happy to see him before they realize that his nose has any utility for snow navigation. Yeah, um, that is a thing I noticed this this watch too, I, yeah. which yeah. is different. Which is different than the song. That then the song said, "Then how the reindeer loved him after." Right, but this this right. movie after this, they this, see that he can use his special right. nonconformity. Right. <laughs> and, and, I love and that language. His nonconformity, <laughs> nonconformity, which makes me think, "Oh my god, it's the quality audits and things." I think the film tries really hard to do two two things, which is one is that it tries to make the point that people's value is not in their conformity, but in inherent to them. Everybody has value and we have to figure out what that, like why why we value that person doesn't have to be based on whether or not they conform to our expectations of them. So like Hermie is the great example. Everyone wants him to be a regular elf, which I just want to note why there's that freaking tall dork looking elf and he doesn't look like any other elf. Uh, you know, the main but elf he's is- he's trying the- hard to conform. He is trying hard, but like the angry, angry coach king elf who is just base basically Harvey Harvey Cattell. <laughs> <laughs> the shop right? boss. The shop <laughs> boss, as it were. Yeah. So like there's that thing. And maybe that's not uh, made as strongly in the film as perhaps it's more serious message of like just because someone looks different, you shouldn't treat them like crap, which I think is the larger point that it perhaps sticks a little bit more more firmly. By the realization that everybody has that, oh, when Rudolph comes back and he saved everyone, they're like, wow, we're idiots. Like, I'm sorry, I was wrong about everything. You're you're wonderful. It's worth noting, Clarice, the only reindeer or human or, or elf other than Hermie, who is like, or or, or uh, Yukon Cornelius, who is perfectly fine. She's like, no, nah, it's fine. I would be, she was, she was basically writing him right there. She was like, hey, you know I, I, any any doe would be lucky to have a guy like you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, except they're like they're like seven, you know, because they they're deer. So like, I guess he he grew up in like a matter of thirteen days. Like, how did that work? No, he like, I think he was gone for a year he, or so. Yeah, he was gone for months because he comes back and said, says your your parents haven't been here for months. They've been looking for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, months, not years, but still. But still, still, that's yeah. a that's a pretty quick growth. How long does it take for a, a, a deer to become an adult? A real a real reindeer? I don't know. I don't I mean, know. Either. You shouldn't think about you shouldn't think about some of the biology in this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, that's don't a fair worry point. too much Largely. about it. Yeah. Right. So they were yearlings or more at the uh, get together, meet the other bucks, show off for the does. Um, so they were a year or more old then, and then some months later. So you know, at most. Two years old, but you know yeah. that's in deer years. So I guess if it if they're like dog years, he was fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's almost an adult by the end of this. So <laughs> right, yeah. yeah I, well, I, I, and, and his rite of passage is leading the sleigh. So yeah, he's a, he's definitely an adult by the time he comes back. He's mm-hmm. he's he's gone through his rite of passage, as it were. Yeah, he's. he's I mean, you could even go hero's journey and say that basically he went through his whole hero's journey and now came back. Back from back from the wastes, a real de- uh, an adult reindeer yeah. ready to 
lead and become a leader of community and bring the light. Oh my God, I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm doing power. So he had this. his Vonderjar. <laughs> yes, he had his Vonderjar. <laughs> well, well we, we see we see him, Hermie, and they meet they meet Yukon. They run away from the Bumble. They go sailing on the water. They reach the Isle of Misfit Toys. They talk yeah. with a cool Lion Griffin. They get to do all sorts of stuff, and then and then and then Rudolph realizes he must return. So and he must leave his friends. Like, that's the dark night of the soul. Oh my god! I, I, so much to stop before doing more Joseph Campbell. But I'll, I'll go for it anyway. So he leaves his friends and goes back by himself. But then realizes that is wrong, and he needs to rescue his family. And it's only through mm-hmm. the power of teamwork and friendship that he can actually rescue his family. Oh, and also uh, possibly an unethical use of dentistry. Yeah, I was saying it's it's clear that uh, Hermie never took the Hippocratic oath when he was studying his dentistry book. I, well, I mean, it's at the end, Trish. He hasn't gotten where, there yet. What is that book doing in the North Pole to begin with? Where did he get it? Well, some kid who was on the naughty list, like they weren't sure if he was going to end up on it, and they made him a dentistry book because he wanted to be a dentist. And then it turned out he was naughty, so he got left behind. Or it's a misfit toy that never made it to the island. (laughs) By the way, speaking of misfit toys, I uh, was pretty impressed to realize that Moonracer has the whole, has the same power as Santa of being able to go all over the world in a single night. But he does it every night, all the time, because he's searching for misfit toys, whereas Santa only goes around the world once a year. Moonracer is pretty cool. Santa spends most of the year, uh, apparently he just sheds like 50 pounds of fat at the end of the season, and so he spends the year with his wife pounding him about fattening up. Yeah, it's there very is different. There's a lot ways. of uh, pressure for body conformity in this in this picture yes. too. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's it's a, such an interesting thing where he's just like kind of grumpy, getting closer to the season, and she's just like, "Air, eat this food." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like he's got a Snickers moment where he, uh, you know, says, "I don't like this song. You better go practice it some more," and storms yeah. off, storms <laughs> yep. out of there. He is definitely, <laughs> and hangry. Mrs. Santa runs after him and, and tries to, you know, eat, eat. So Snickers moment. There. Eat, Papa. <laughs> eat, Papa. <laughs> oh, manja, <mama>. manja. <laughs> Body conformity. No one wants a skinny Santa. Nobody wants it. Skinny Santa, no. Did you notice all the male elves are bold except for one? Hermie. Why is her He's he has blonde. the same what's that? He's blonde. Yeah, he he has the same hair as the female elves. Which makes you wonder. It makes me <gasps> wonder if he's actually non uh, he may actually not be uh, either non gender conforming or maybe he's um maybe maybe he's non heterosexual. Hermie's a trans never man, distressed. maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It, well, That's how he has hair. <laughs> well, 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 I, I mean, look at look at the evidence. Every other elf we see is Every bald. other male elf is bald. Yeah. Every other male elf we see is bald. And all the female Hermie. elves are blonde. Hmm. Right. So it makes me wonder. <laughs> I, well, well, hold on. Maybe, maybe he's just very young and all of the bald ones are old and that until a certain no, age... No. No. Elves are basically like dwarves. They're almost indistinguishable. Uh, maybe, maybe. May- maybe, but yeah. I, 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 a lot of those elves at that table look pretty young, too. Well, that's because they're elves, Paul. 
Elrond in Lord of the Rings is like 5,000 years old and he still looks like Hugo Weaving. Like, what are you talking about? Aside, aside, from, aside from the hair, they kind of, I mean, I mean, old grumpy boss elf looks, definitely looks like an adult, but the other elves are indistinguishable from Herbie except for the hair. So I don't I know. Wonder. I, w- I mean, if he, if he's, if Herbie, if this dude is, if you're right, and it's just like, I'll start with, that's a very strange central dimorphism that males lose their hair, but women, but female elves don't. That's or not maybe really they do and at half. all. Mostly maybe. it's, it's <laughs> humans. It's mostly men who go bald. What if you're assuming yeah. all the male elves are male? <laughs> that's true. Well, and well, they well, all well, start. Well, 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 I, because they're color coded for our preference. If you notice all the I male know, elves I know. Yeah. Wear, blue, wear blue and all the girl elves wear pink. Well, maybe they start as girls and then they, they morph into male. I mean, we know mm-hmm. nothing about the biology of Santa's elves. Who knows what they are? They could be aliens for all we know. Maybe, but I think the showrunners definitely strongly believed in sexual dimorphism. Oh, and sure. Sexual yeah. And gender roles for sure. You know, 100%. He, uh, this, you know, Donner telling Mrs. Donner, who never even has a name, that, um, you know, going out and looking for Rudolph is man's work. So it's very good that uh, Mrs. Donner and Clarice defy this dictum and go out and look themselves also. But but, but, but here's the question. And also we see the does watching the, 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 the male reindeer do their reindeer games. Can does fly? We don't know. We don't know. We have no evidence for or against. But if we're going by this heavy message of man and female man. being very rigid binaries, the assumption <laughs> would be that they don't, that only the males do. Right. In some some versions of the, the legend, uh, the uh, reindeer get their flying power by eating magic corn. And you would think that a female deer would be able to do that just as well as a male deer could. And wouldn't Vixen have been a female deer anyway? Vixen oh. is usually, a, I mean, it's a female, a Vixen it's is a female, a female fox. So you would think Vixen would be a female name for a but, female but reindeer. The, but all the reindeer on Santa's sleigh have antlers. Antlers. Reindeer well, all, don't all re- reindeer have antlers? That's what I was wondering. Don't reindeer all, hold on, we're I looking at this up right now. Oh my god, um. Listeners and watchers, yes, we're going to try to find out live about. Oh, the, I'm figuring uh, it out right now. Sexual dimorphism of reindeer. This is the quality content on Skippy and Petty. <laughs> I got this from the Food and Drug Administration, by the way. I don't know why that's the thing that came up <laughs> well, first. Not, why but do they care? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess because technically you can eat reindeer. I, I guess. I, I don't know. I, or um, maybe is reindeer a controlled substance? Is that what's happening I, right I, now? I, I, I mean, we saw reindeer on the menu in Helsinki, Sean. I did not try it uh, because I can't eat anything. I, I tried the bear, not the reindeer. Anyway, but point is that Maybe both male and feel reindeer grow antlers. But it's worth noting that the male antlers are substantially larger. Okay. Yep. Up to 51 inches long compared to females antlers, which can be 20 inches. So hmm. mm-hmm. presumably there's a point at which you can go, oh, that one's a dude. Although I guess you could just look their legs and you could figure that out more quickly but well still. yeah but then i can do that in the rank and mass production but no but, but also like maybe out of respect for santa's reindeer you're not just going around going <laughs> but <laughs> you know if vixen is a female reindeer hers is an untold story because she is a female reindeer in a male dominated profession 
in a very patriarchal dude bro reindeer culture. Reindeer and so North Pole culture. Bro. What's her story? What is she like? How did she? Why did she decide to go for something that no other female reindeer we ever see? I mean, Clarissa has got spunk that have ever considered going for. I want a vixen story now. Well, right, I, right. You in. know why? You know, vixen was the first to break the mold, and that's why there was the hard turn back to we have to have conformity, right? We got to like, uh, like, no, we can't have none of this. Our girls got to be regular girls and wear bows and crap. I'm making this up. We have no idea. So maybe <laughs> Comet way. is on the seven reindeer team and uh, Vixen got cut for sexual oh. discrimination. Possibly. Oh. Okay. 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 Hermie, Hermie, you need to uh, not only train as dentist, you need to train as a lawyer. Vixen needs a lawyer now. <laughs> it is weird. Like, so Hermie wants to be a dentist. First off, why don't they have a dentist already? Like, shouldn't Santa needs one, right? Because he's eaten a, a metric ton of food, and she's just fattening him and, up with and pie. Candy. And candy. There's the, 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 the yeah. I mean, Christmas. Christmas town is short on lots of social services, right? And so, like, have elves for you know, like, 150 years just been like chomping on candy and just getting cavities and their teeth run out of their face, and they're just is that why is that why the Harvey Keitel elf is so angry all the time? Because his <laughs> mouth hurts? Maybe. And well I mean he does get care, right? Hermie provides him care at the end and like I got you, bro. Like maybe that's why he's so grumpy is this whole time his he's just so miserable. He's in pain and and nobody will help him, not even Santa. The poor man. <laughs> His teeth yeah, the, the, out the, of the, his the, face. The, the working conditions at Santa's workshop, they need a union. They do need a union. Uh, yeah, it, that's coming next <laughs> after they get the professions. <laughs> time, time, time to organize the labor. Yeah. Although, like the implication at the beginning is that, like, I guess biologically, elves are in general evolutionary geared towards liking making toys. Like that's the explanation we're given that that they they basically have evolved and that's what they do. They just make toys, which is why Hermie like he's violating his biology and his elf culture at the same biology time. Biology is not destiny, Sean. <laughs> well, in this weird universe where <laughs> you can have, you know, a, a, a cowboy ostrich toy and also an elf that has blonde hair like all the girl elves, but also wants to be a dentist like and bumbles. Who knows, Paul? Anything's possible at this point. I love Yukon oh. Cornelius, I just want to say. <laughs> he's such a ridiculous character. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a looking to mine stuff and then winds up mining peppermint. Yeah, yeah speaking, he peppermint. speaking of that, this, this is another thing. I don't know if I ever knew about him. Maybe they had cut it by the time I started watching it, or maybe I just didn't notice it. I certainly don't think it was in the later years of broadcasting, but... Uh, he says he, he he finds the peppermint and he says peppermint it's what i've been looking for all my life he is so excited that he's going to have a peppermint mine i never knew that i thought it was all about the silver and gold and so you know the I. commodification of christmas <laughs> no it's Capitalism. about the peppermint trash <laughs> and, 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 and here you can Cornelius is fighting against the commodification of capitalism of christmas you I mean, go, Yukon. They literally <laughs> have a whole song about it, silver and gold. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But but he's rejecting he's rejecting that commodification and that and that that bimetal tyranny. 
that 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 song that presses upon us all. He's just trying his his best. That's all. That's, I mean, just, is he Canadian? He his name's Yukon Cornelius. That's that's kind of north. <laughs> Spe- speaking of which, I know Trish wants to talk about uh, the voice acting. Right. So uh, Rankin and Bass, I was reading on I forget Wikipedia or uh, IMDb, probably Wikipedia. Oh. Anyway, that uh, they chose Canadian voice actors for two reasons. First, of course, cheaper labor. Uh, secondly, um, uh, apparently Canada continued radio shows, uh, you know, dra- radio dramas uh, for quite a few years longer than the U.S. did. Um, I guess U.S. switched oh. over to TV a lot faster and just went back to, you know, music and sports and stuff on radio. But uh, Canada kept up with their radio programs uh, for considerably longer and so they had a big talent pool um i mean bbc uh continued radio dramas uh uh uh, many years many years after the u.s dropped radio dramas so i just thought that was interesting i guess if you wanted you know sure thing production right you would go to essentially the the professional voice actors of that era Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. And I imagine 1964, I mean, they have animation at this point, but I imagine the industry doesn't exist like animation does now or even like in the 80s. So right. they'd go right to the source. These are the people like you get you get Billy Mae Richards to be Rudolph because Billy Mae Richards is 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 solid. You know what you're getting and you're not going to waste a bunch of money. I presume they didn't want to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, and I, I don't know what the budget was, but it can't have been terribly much. Yeah, actually, um. Burl Ives wasn't in this thing originally. They added him at the last minute because uh, NBC asked the producers to add a name star to the thing to try and get more people to watch the show. And Burl Ives apparently was the biggest guy they could get on short notice to... uh, (laughs) Kind of perfect. uh, I mean, he's great in it. I love it. And, you know, Burl Ives, I've seen him do some very good work. He's a great great complex villain <laughs> with a code of honor in a movie called The Big Country, um, a Western. Uh, he's he's a, an actor. Uh, he's not just a funny fat man who sings. Um, you know, he's not just a cook. He, he's much more than he is in here, which is mostly what I knew him from growing up. Speak, speaking of Burl Ives and the Snowman, one thing I noticed on this, on this uh, watch that I not noticed before, I mean, he I mean, he's the narrator. He starts off. He he, he tells this thing. He's, he keeps it moving. But then, like towards the end, he says that he sent oh yeah Yukon Cornelius and uh, and Hermie after Rudolph. He you see he he specifically he does like he actually is a character in the story, not just a not just a, a narrator relaying events. He was there at the time and. Had, he made something had a hand happen. In the action. He's not just he made something happen. I did not notice that before. I thought he was just a, you know, like just just a narrator. But he actually is mm-hmm. an act. He's an active participant in making things happen. So can we talk about the island of misfit toys? Absolutely. Yes, we can talk about the island. Okay. So there are two things that I think we need to talk about. First, we need to talk about that. Really, all the toys on the island of misfit toys are like perfectly fine. Right. The story ultimately acknowledges this. There's a kid who wants a polka dot elephant, but also like that's kind of fun. A polka dot elephant, you know, mm-hmm. and a, a cowboy riding an ostrich. 
That's, yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. I would totally I, have played with that. That sounds um, really fun and quirky, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the train with square wheels, that would be a little more difficult to play with. I, I admit that would be a problem. I mean, sure, that one is maybe more for practical reasons a little difficult, but you know what? Every Everyone's got a weird kid, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I guess not everyone, but someone's got a weird kid. And, and what about Dolly? What's wrong with Dolly? So that's the thing. So this is one of the great mysteries that people have been talking about for probably decades. the last, like, decades. Yeah, really, like, the last, like, 30 years, apparently. And it it, it is that... For all intents and purposes, everything we're shown of Dolly, there's nothing wrong with her, right? Physically, like she doesn't have, she looks like a regular rag doll. She has all her eyes. Uh, she's not missing anything. She's not oddly shaped. None of that. So for a long time, people speculated one of two things. One was that uh, there there might been might have been like maybe because she doesn't have a nose, even though that's fairly common for rag dolls. One was that they just needed to have a girl toy because most of the other toys theoretically or for boys although the polka dot elephant i guess could go to anybody really but apparently arthur rankin jr has actually declared that the reason was she had psychological issues uh which is apparently she was clinically depressed uh so (laughs) apparently that's the quote-unquote i mean not really official because like the production company has not agreed that that's canon but that's essentially <laughs> the reason is she's clinically depressed and she does cry in this. Although I, I she has totally justified reasons. She thinks she's been mm-hmm. left behind again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yep. I don't know. But I mean, it is kind of neat. Like, I guess if she is clinically depressed, like toys can be depressed, too. And like, that could be why she's misfit. She just needs to go to some like kid who wants to be a mental health therapist, I guess. <laughs> She comes with a copy of the DSM, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, ultimately, the the story never officially tells us what's what's her deal. No, it's a little mystery. Right. Speaking of the misfit toys, though, I have to point out something. I'm certainly not the first person to do it. But uh, one of the misfit toys suffers a very, very sad fate at the end of this movie. Because what? if you remember from where the part where they're, you know, singing and, and showing all their misfit nests, there is a bird that doesn't fly. It swims. And at the end of this show, when they're uh, when the elves are giving the toys little umbrellas so they can parachute down to the house that they're destined for, the elf pulls out the this bird, looks at it, looks at the umbrella, shrugs. Uh, you know, clearly thinking, well, a bird doesn't need an umbrella, and just tosses the bird off the sleigh. Um, the bird yeah. that doesn't swim, that only flies. That bird doesn't fly, it only swims. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that, there's that little dark. Yeah. No, when, when, when Trish and I were watching, we watched this in Tim, she said, Watch the credits. Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. I was like, Oh my God. That's, that's horrifying. I Die, didn't notice Die. that, and I don't like it. So, I'm so, just so, gonna look my head cannon. I'm gonna fix this in my brain right now. <laughs> Santa has magic, so the bird like swam through the air to its location. Okay, that, that's what happened. But okay. you're not wrong. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> dive bombing, dive. I, 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 as God as my witness, I thought penguins could fly. Oh, did you do not get the reference? Oh my of God! Of course. Tell, well, well, I'm looking at Sean. You get the reference right. 
Uh, As I'm, God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh my God! Uncultured barbarian episode. The, of the greatest Thanksgiving show of all time. Okay, Paul oh, was born humanity. in 1983. I know this was the year before you were born. <laughs> I rest my case. So, so apparently, though, there were multiple slight variations of this this production that were released. So. I'm actually not sure which one I watched for this episode. I I think it was the original 1964, but I don't know. And so there's a, the 1964 version. Uh, this is the quote-unquote NBC Living Color Peacock version, which has that it shows up at the beginning. So the original apparently does not include the, that Santa traveling to the island of misfit toys, which is actually the giveaway that I did not watch the original 1964. And then oh. 65 to 97... There's a there's a new duet added that it was not in my version called Fame and Fortune, which replaced the yep. we're a couple mm-hmm. of misfits. Uh, and apparently uh, they people didn't like it, <laughs> I guess. Really? So, I kind of like I, Fame and Fortune. Fame and Fortune, Fame and Fortune, they will be ours someday. Dun, 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 Doesn't Trish ever so lovely I don't remember the, any of the first words, but it's a cheery little song where they're teaming up and getting ready to go face the world and be misfits together. It's it's very strange when you like look at, you know, they add something in, they delete something, they, mm-hmm. they, de- they provide like added dialogue, I guess, in the 70s. And then uh, more modernly, they've, they've kept... Most of the stuff that was deleted and and largely since about 2019 tried to maintain like the the definitive version as it as it were, which has were a couple of misfits. It has the peppermint mind sequence. It has some added stuff in there. My version did not have fame and fortune, Hmm. which I thought was interesting. uh, But apparently on the DVDs, it's included as an extra number. So you can get that. Hmm. So it's very weird. And I didn't realize until like earlier today that there were so many freaking variations of this yeah. thing which means if you watch this as a child in 1965 you might have the experience I've had with certain films I watched when I was a child like Fantasia where for years I swear someone kept getting different versions of Fantasia with like Disney's added sequences because every time I'd watch it I would see things and I was like I don't remember that in the, the last time I watched it and the movie kept getting longer for some reason. I was like, why is this movie like two and a half hours long? Where the heck is all this added stuff coming from? <laughs> and apparently it's just as a child, your memory is is garbage. So, like, Oh, my experience with Rudolph was that things kept vanishing from the show because, of course, they kept cutting it and cutting it to make room for more commercials. Yep. Jerks. Yes. Yeah, jerks. Sadly and tragically, yes. <laughs> yeah. So... Hence, never my my never seeing the peppermint scene. It's pretty tightly paced for a more classic commercial mm-hmm. structure, which isn't really how typically like, you can see as you watch this the moments where like this is the commercial break, you uh-huh. know, yep. and they're they're at really perfect time. The, the number has ended. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the original commercial breaks, right? They right. end at like the number has stopped, the musical number, or uh, a major moment has happened, and we end on a cliffhanger because we're mm-hmm. going to come back to it in the next one. So there's. I think sometimes, you know, not. I don't think there's anyone terribly young watching us at the moment or listening to us. But like, I think sometimes that's that's lost that television in its classical form. You know, they they used to make TV very rudimentary to like where you stuck your commercial breaks. And right. 
before we got to where we are now, where everything has to have 6,000 commercial breaks, and then there's a DraftKings reference at some point in there where they want you to gamble. You know, that was like you had a, a, an hour slot and you had 45 minutes and, and, you know, or 48 minutes and 12 minutes or whatever for commercial. And they had to break at certain points. So you would build your narrative to follow that flow. Yep. That still technically uh, is happening, but it's just a little bit different. And now we're not seeing it in you know, streaming services because they don't they don't typically have commercials built in. Oh, we have a reaction from chat. Carturo is saying uh, they once watched The Matrix Reloaded on TV and they cut the entire dance scene. Oh. Now, I actually have never seen The Matrix Reloaded in any form. But I did recently oh. watch The Marvels. Uh, this is my first movie I've seen on the big screen since the pandemic. Uh, it got terrible reviews and I knew nobody was going it. And I went to the first showing and uh, lo and behold... There were only three other people in the entire theater besides us. So I felt, you know, I was masked, of course, and I felt reasonably safe. Anyway, there are um, some songs and a dance sequence, a delightful song and dance sequence on a planet where people sing and dance about everything. And uh, I read later that that sequence had originally been 20 minutes and that it got cut because people were nervous about the uh, reaction they would get from the studio audiences. But it bombed I mean, anyway, so they should have kept it. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, I'm kind of curious, but on the other, like, it's a non-musical dance movie. And you had a 20-minute sequence in a movie that probably was already twenty uh, two hours long? Wow. I hope to see it someday. <laughs> it would be nice if it was an extra on the DVD or something. Like an extended Did cut. Did DVDs like do extras anymore they do Sometimes. yeah they'll put like the cut scenes and things like that but it's exactly carturo why, why would marvel actually take a risk and do something interesting yeah <laughs> they don't i, do I that. know you had a very different view of the marvels than trish did and a negative one and i'm I'm sad that this dad sequence got cut because it sounds like it was uh might have been really interesting something ambitious a musical marvel movie would not be like, I kind of watched that. Uh -huh. <laughs> that. It'd be different. I don't know who it would be with, but, you know, something like a like a 50 minute, you know, like musical Marvel, Marvel musical special that they do like this. Yeah. I mean, if Star Trek can do a musical episode, so can <laughs> Marvel's. I mean, just get, you know, some like really good musical writers have Hugh Jackman show up as Wolverine. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he would do it if they if they were like, of course hey, he do, of course he do it. <laughs> would you do a musical Wolverine? Oh my god, I'd watch an entire musical Wolverine. Oh my, oh my god, I, I mean, he's basically fusing Broadway and his Wolverine career into one into one package. <laughs> I don't want like Hugh a whole Jackman, movie production. I just want a special. That's all I want. I want a Wolverine right. musical special. You know, or, like or oh, that'd be just fun. A spider punk would be fun, but in any case, yes. we're we're spinning wheels away from the film, and so I think we all can right, start to right. wrap. No, we <laughs> can start to wrap. I think we've we've said it. This is a wonderful film with imperfect but wonderful, and I think we all agree. Yes. What what one, one last thing I want to note before I actually saw this film growing up, I actually saw the Remington Shaver commercials. Do you remember those, Trish? I know what. With the, I mean, it's a it's a automatic shaver yeah right and they had this thing they, they had this guy on this shaver in the snow and was clearly clearly referencing burl ives and rudolph so after i <laughs> i saw that before that they're like oh it's like the shaver i remember <laughs> okay. growing up 
No, but clearly the Shaver was actually aping Burl Ives and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But I saw, th- I saw the commercials first. That's wonderful. I don't remember when I first saw this movie. That was so. that was before that was before your time, Sean. That was before your time. Paul, ninety nine percent of your life is before my time. <laughs> no. Well, he is a couple thousand years old, right? Right. Doesn't so like goes. to talk about oh, it, but that oh, is. Oh, we, we, we should we should thank Configuration Queen for following the stream. I do appreciate that very much. Yeah, that is lovely. You get seven thousand points, by the way. <laughs> For folks listening and folks that uh, have been hanging out with us on Twitch, thank you very much. Uh, I hope this has been entertaining and you learned a few things about this movie because we all shared some weird facts about this film and things around it. Um, so if you would like, you can go to skiffingfanny.com slash listener suggestions. That's where you can send your comments and feedback. If you like this movie, we'd love to hear from you uh, and what your thoughts are on it. Please, please do. Uh, if you want to follow the show, the best places to do so are basically any place that isn't Twitter. <laughs> so, and we're at Skiffy and Fanty basically everywhere. And you can find links to all of our stuff, including Instagram, Macedon, etc. at our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Skiffy and Fanty. Um, we have a newsletter, all that good stuff. And then if you do like what we do, please consider supporting the show. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Skiffy and Fanty and leave reviews. Please do leave reviews and tell your friends that we exist because we're sad. And then we stream our live shows on Twitch at twitch.tv slash alphabet streams, which is where I am. Uh, I am at seanduke.net. I'm here on alphabet streams. Uh, I also have Patreon and all that stuff. My link tree is just slash seanduke. I am Paul Weimer, a.k.a. Prince Justin Olive in the internet. Primarily Blue Sky, Mastodons, and Threads. I write reviews and essays on science fiction. I play games online with Sean. I mod channels on Twitch. I do lots of photography and plenty more. My name is Legion, for I am many. <laughs> uh, you can find me, Trisha M, uh, on Blue Sky as at P.E. Matson on Mastodon. Uh, newsy.social at Trisha M and on my blog at what's the word now.blogspot.com. And if you have unresolved anger issues over this show and how badly Rudolph is treated for 90% of the movie and nonconformity in general, you might want to look up the mad TV skit called Ragin' Rudolph. But <laughs> be aware, it's very violent. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, folks. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, Everybody take care of yourselves. Be safe. Don't do anything weird. And definitely don't uh, judge people by the way they look. Just be nice to people. This is not awkward. It's a good holiday message. Be (laughs) kind. Love one another. All that good stuff. No awkward ending. And see. Hugs for everyone. Hugs for everyone. I like it. If you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash or skiffyandfanty.com, our website, where you can get access to all of our fancy things. Our music comes from Holy Mole. You can support him and his work at patreon.com slash holy mole. Thank you for listening. <laughs>